Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to the City Light Church podcast. We're so honored you've joined us. We hope that today's podcast brings you hope, encouragement, and most of all, adds value to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We long to see people grow from where they are closer to where God desires them to be, and it's our hope that this podcast is an essential element in that process for you. So grab a pen, your Bible, and a journal, and let's dive into today's message. Amen. Amen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, I think it's the 27th in the morning, and have a great time just celebrating with folks downtown. I am bringing green beans with a big old piece of uh, ham and fat, season that thing up several hours, some beef in there, little bouillons, little special something something and then I'm going to bring it over there with a bunch of pots and food from other folks who are cooking and we are just going to just give a new meaning to the word smash mouth right I mean we're just (laughs) hugging on people high-fiving and eating food and just loving Jesus man is the presence of God in this room amen I thought for sure this place was gonna be full of just men just getting on their knees before God you know that's what the Bible describes to us as a revival, is when the men, amen, when the boys are back in town, amen. I need to preach that message. When the boys are back in town. When we get on our knees, right, when the zeal of the Lord fills our heart, when we just are, are ravished by his love. Men, I'm talking to the men. That sounds so girlish, right? But no, 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 this is, this is for men. When we lead that, the nations are healed when we drive them in. And by the way, this worship team, these, these young ladies, and this is not the first generation. When you guys see Amber up here and Kendra, these are girls that have been singing around here. I mean, God's just raising up worshipers around this place. I want to give you the vision. They actually sang out of Revelation. They sang out of Song, Song of Solomon. If you don't know your Bible, you, you didn't probably recognize some of these. This music was coming right out of the scriptures. Beautiful because they talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're talking about, you know, uh, church in the garden where we're going to be eating. And you can't come to church. You can't experience the presence of God without food. Amen? <laughs> but he talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And a lot of people forget this, that the, the rapture of Christ, the tribulation all goes on. But there's this time of consummating this marriage of the King Jesus with the church and with his bride. And then we come back and we actually reign on this earth. Like this earth right here a thousand years and the and some of these same worshipers like Alora, she's up here singing and the enemy hates her tried to take her out several times tried to destroy her life but he can't do it because god's raising up worshipers for a season Amen. Now, my prophetic eye looks forward in time and goes, these worshipers are going to be, hey, when are you guys going to be in Jerusalem? Oh, we're scheduled to be there in a few days. We've got to play before the king. You guys need to get this understanding that we will go up to Jerusalem where the king, Jesus, Yeshua, will set and reign, and we will go up and worship him, and, and that will be a time of unprecedented peace like the world has never known. And you're looking at me like you've never read your Bible. This is all in Revelation. We just studied this in Revelation. It's all there. We're going up to worship the king, and I guarantee 
guarantee you that there will not be dry eyes when we worship the king. There will not be people standing erect. They will be on their face. We will be shouting and singing and dancing. And you talk about these girls, they were very, they were up here singing all nice, but I guarantee you on that day, it's going to be wild. You have never seen a mosh pit like there's going to be a mosh pit, baby. We're going to be dancing and, and it's just going to be amazing. Why? Because the enemy is vanquished. He is put down. <laughs> I mean, judgment has come. It's going to be amazing. Justice will rule the world and the lion will lay down with the lamb and it will be amazing. And I just say this. Why wait? Why wait? Why don't we just come unglued now? We get together in the house the other night with uh, some folks just worshiping. The presence of God was there. We come here this morning. We gather in a little bigger house, and the presence of God's here. And I'm just saying, man, this is as quiet as you're ever going to experience worship. I guarantee you this is as quiet as it's ever going to be. It's going to get loud and crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. If that makes you nervous, it probably maybe for the first hundred years, but then you're going to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get used to it, and you're going to say, I like this. This is my kind of worship. Amen. Well, I don't know if I introduced myself. It doesn't really matter. I am uh, Pastor Lee Brown's dad. Like after last week, <laughs> like after last week, all right, people texting me like I'm sick of getting texts. And I got to forward them to Lee. Like this person liked your sermon. This person liked your sermon. I wonder if they even know who I am anymore. <laughs> Jeez. You feed them and water them, and they grow up and get in your way. Right? Just, they take over. Rule the house. Just take over. Unbelievable. Praise God. It's good to have him. I've watched him and, and Dr. Chris grow up, man. They're preaching, and, and, um, and it's just been a delight. And uh, Lee's back on the schedule. He's a little easier to get here than uh, Chris. Chris is in Colorado, but we look for scheduling him. And when they come back through town, the Lord's blessing them, lengthening their, uh, their ropes and establishing their, their ministry in Colorado. So we're just praying for them this morning and God will continue to give him wisdom and strength and, and just send a revival to that city. Amen. And here too, you know, we need a revival. We, we don't understand because we live in a, we live in a, a fishbowl of a special environment where our food is rained down on us, you know, every day uh, the Lord just opens heaven and just blesses us. And, and we just, we have no cares. I'm like, just like fish in a tank. We just have no cares. And, and uh, th then there are other parts of the world where other fish, if you will, if you play that analogy out, are, are being caught and, and, um, and it's a terrible thing. So when I'm speaking um, metaphorically of, of our brothers and sisters that are in Afghanistan, um, all through the Middle East, all through Northern Africa, the most persecuted area um, of Christians is North Korea. And today we, we need to remember that we sit here and enjoy the presence of God so freely. We just, we just meander in here and just lap it up. It's just amazing. But around the world, there are people who will be home today and someone will knock at their door and their lives will be threatened if not taken. Yeah, Christendom um, is being persecuted today just like any other time in history, and more so lately.
Um, Islam is the primary uh, agent of, of turmoil and doom around the world. I'm not making this up. There's plenty of plenty of information out there if you want to find it. Uh, the religion of peace.org is a great place to go specifically on Islam. But it is a persecuted religion because it is the only one with the spirit of Christ. So you can, you can talk about God generally. You can talk about religion generally. But the moment you talk about Jesus, Yeshua, and Christ, you're going to bring a persecution. Why? Because the prince of darkness hates the light. He hates that name. And there's light. He is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. He said that, not me. <clears throat> so if that doesn't fit your Oprah Winfrey uh, theology, that there's multiple ways, uh, I'm sorry. There are no multiple ways. There's one door. There's one way. There's one truth. And his name is Yeshua. And when you say that, as much love as you can muster up and compel people to come unto him, you will receive a certain amount of resistance to that. You are being intolerant. You are the problem. That is an antichrist spirit that is here and it's been here and it's not new, but it is growing in its intensity and it's waxing stronger and stronger. And we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. We don't understand that. We at least should say, Father, send your spirit, guard them, protect them, send angels. Lord, let this message burn like a fire in Afghanistan. Let it burn like a fire in Uganda. Let it burn like a fire in North Korea. Let it burn that no man could stop it, but uh, hearts of men would, would, would be ravaged by the truth. Amen. Sin is, is not um, new to humanity, and, and it's not new to the, the East and the Far East. Um, so that hatred and that sin is at the heart of humanity. It's there. And sometimes I wonder if it is easier being in a foreign country where it is obvious who hates Jesus and who lives with this hatred and this greed and this envy and this wrath in their hearts, as opposed to being in the West where there's this form of religion and there is a good people around us. And sometimes I wonder if we ourselves, our hearts, are not overgrown. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I talked about uh, sin. And, and when you get on this, this message, I tell the Lord. He doesn't always listen to me. I tell him. I say, Lord, you know, we're trying to grow a church here, Father. And, you know, you provoke me to preach on sin. You know, seats just come open. And we just have more room in the church when I preach on sin. You know... I, I, anyway, and, and so he said, no, this is what I want you to preach on. And then last week, Lee comes along, and he's, he's talking about sin. If you didn't catch that, and he's talking about that transition of, from sin to that human nature, to that holy nature, and that transition. And, and the Lord's provoked me another week or two to preach on sin. And really, it's the condition of men's hearts, because it is the, it is the hardness of our hearts that keeps us from passionately with, with the zeal of the Lord going after him, extravagantly loving him. And how, what does that look like, Ken? That, that looks like everything. It looks like worship. It looks like song. It looks like devotion. It looks like Bible study. It looks like 
kindness to your neighbor. It looks like coming out of your house and going and talking to your neighbors to find out how to pray for them. It looks like serving at a local church, serving in your community. It looks like all these things because it's the, it is what the Lord does to provoke our heart to love. Love is a verb. It is an expression. It is an action. It is something we do. It is not something we say. Listen to me, teenage girls. Love is not, I love you, baby. That's not love. Love is waiting. Love is laying down your life for someone. Love is setting a standard and then living by that. Love is giving of yourself. That is both maturity and love. It comes from the heart. It comes from that place, that seat where you have um, built the passions of the day in your heart. Now, how is that built? In the West, it's built by a conquering and it's built by money and it's built by corporations. So in the West, we are taught that a real man owns and, and, and has businesses and has money and, and rules his kingdom, his house. And he does these things where we're, we're not men of the West. We're men of the kingdom. And men of the kingdom are men whose hearts are postured for the zeal of the Lord, for whatever the king wants. If the king says, I want you to remain celibate and I don't want you to marry until I send the woman by, then these young kings we are raising up, these young men are saying, my heart is set on the king and he says, put my eyes on you and he'll bring a queen. But, but, but our world doesn't, they don't raise men like that, right? Man, I slipped right into preaching. It was just effortless the way it just happened. Have I given you a scripture? Because I doesn't. I don't even actually start preaching until I have a scripture. Have it not? No, okay, Isaiah fifty-five. So now I can start. This will go against my, against my time, and and then you won't say he preached a long time now. This is the prophet Isaiah. He lived some 700, 750 years before Jesus. All right. So uh, this is a quite a quite a ways. But when Yeshua comes along, he quotes Daniel, Isaiah. They quote these prophets. Why? Because it is their Bible. It is the scriptures that have been foretold. They're reading them and they're, they're basing their pursuit of God on what the prophets have said. And Isaiah actually had made this statement in chapter 55. He says, so my word that goes or that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. He's speaking on behalf of the Lord. But he says this, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper. So it both accomplishes the task and it prospers in what I send it to do. So when his word goes out, it is a seed, if you will, that says this. Watch this. This is amazing because we live in Florida. If you plant an orange seed, you will get an orange tree. I have a tree that grows oranges, lemons, and limes. What kind of seed was that? It started out as a stock seed. So a sour stock, as they call it, of a orange. And as it grew up, they grafted in to the limbs, lemons and limes. And so those limbs now produce fruit from those limbs. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, it's really weird, but it, it works. It works somehow. 
but the seed is of its kind. So it plants a seed and it grows the stock. God is saying, when I send my word out, it's like this seed that gets planted and it grows out of the heart. It will grow. Now, the question is, is your heart postured to receive the word of the Lord? Because I come up here every week and I throw seed. I throw in the word, man. Just throw in the word. But we understand that the heart has to be receptive of the seed. Now, Jesus actually gives us a parable. In Matthew, we actually read it in the synoptic gospels of the gospels. All of them all kind of reference this. In Matthew 13, there's this beautiful parable of the, the sower, right? So it's called the parable of the sower. And I'm going to read it just a little bit to you. We're going to kind of look at it. But I want to tell you a little bit about this after I do. I want to give you some visuals. And it says in verse 1, On the day when Jesus went out of the house, he was sitting by the sea. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. While the winds or the whole crowd stood on the shore. This is casting a shadow. I guess I was going, what's going on with my words here? It's just shadows, just crazy. It's glimmering. I'm like, Lord, is that you? Are you there? What, what's going on? Is it something I ate? I don't know. It's the water. Amen. So he got into the ski boat and sat down. And while the whole crowd stood on the shore... Right? Then he told them many things in parables, saying. So he's teaching these parables, and he says this. Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't, didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and still yet others fell on good ground and produced fruit. And then he says that some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown, let anyone who has ears listen. When he says this, his picture is upon a, uh, a culture that both understands Isaiah's prophecy. They understand what the prophet has said, and they're agrarian in, in, in society, so they're growers, they're farmers, and they both get the picture of the sowing. So there's a lot of messages going on that Jesus has actually given us. What's, what's crazy is um, where he's actually at today around the northwest side of Galilee. In fact, we have a picture. Um, oh, look at there. There's the uh, right coronary artery. Let's see. Okay, here we are. Here we are. The Sea of Galilee. Ooh, that's, that's fuzzy. But up near Capernaum, just trust me, just to the left of Capernaum, there is something called the Cove of the Sower. So the next picture should be a kind of an aerial picture of the cove. So this is an aerial picture of where we think Jesus might have gotten into this boat. And you could set thousands of people along this cove and he, his words would echo up the water and out up, there's actually a little bit of an incline, if you can tell, and up that hill, all the way up, people were sitting, thousands of people could actually hear him speak. So they, they, they deduce 
the, the, who they are, those people that know everything, they deduce that this was practically the spot that Jesus was. Now, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Unless you receive the words he spoke. So that doesn't mean anything, even though we know a couple thousand years ago, he's probably off this little inlet right here speaking and thousands are listening to him. And when he tells this uh, story, he tells the story of a sower. Now, you've got to understand Eastern culture in this day. A couple of things. They did not farm the way we do with John Deere tractors. They didn't. I know it's a shock to you, but they, they would farm in a little different way. When they would go out, they scattered their seed. So they were given an allotment of land. And when they took that allotment, they would go in and September and October, they would prep the, the land. They would begin to dig out all of the rocks and they would begin to burn off all of the thorns and they would prep their parcel and then they would scatter the seed. In fact, it looked, it looked kind of like this. But it looked like a sprinkler system. These guys would go along and they would just scatter the seed all through their parcel of land. Go to that next picture. This is actually an untilled area with large rocks. This is not uncommon to see fields like this in Israel. So if you were given a parcel of land and you cleared this parcel of land, you would end up with four types of soil. To begin with, it looks overwhelming. Like, how would we ever do this? And, and, and yet they would, their sons uh, and their, their fathers, their uncles, the, the men would go out and they begin to work an area and they would together with a community, they would move the rocks and begin to have a cultivated area. And when Jesus tells his story, he gives us four, he gives us four areas uh, of soil. Now there's this Perkea Volt saying, it's Perkea Volt, just a volt is the teachings of um, the rabbis in the Mishnah, which was a compiles of these stories of scripture some 200 years after Jesus. They wrote many of them with four, um, with four illustrations. So they would tell a story in the Mishnah with this four illustrations. And, and we know that they did this in Jesus' time because this is how they would pass down the principles and, and the storyline. So Jesus tells this story and he says, I'm going to tell you exactly what this story means, but not everybody is going to hear. He's actually quoting Isaiah again. He's saying this, that your heart is like the field. And he's saying that the, the problem with humanity is humanity doesn't want to deal with the thorns and with the rocks and with the issues that are in their field, they just want the good stuff that comes from the field. He, he is saying that when a sower goes out, unless he clears the land, there is not a lot of viable land. In fact, that it was not uncommon that when you went through the land, you would walk through someone else's garden to get to your parcel. And, that, and you formed a pathway. And so that was a natural divide. And so... Uh, you, you, if you threw seed there, it was going to get trampled down. There are areas in our heart that the Lord is trying to deal with us about. There are natural areas that have been pathways that are hardened for the sake of time and, and society. Our hearts have been postured in a myriad of ways. Racism, money, economics, politics, 
You name it, north, south, schools, it doesn't end. It is, starts when your, your children are just old enough to recognize and understand sin or wrong. They have this proclivity to go after that. Why? Because they have this thing in them called the Adam curse, the Adamic curse, which is this. You don't have to teach little Johnny when he goes into the nursery to pull Susie's hair. It's just in him. He knows to pull hair, right? You don't have to tell little Susie to bite Sally. She already knows how to bite Sally. It's programmed in her. What is that? It is the condition of her heart. It is sin always with us. It is the knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? Say amen, because I'll preach faster if you amen me. And so when Jesus is telling us this, he is saying, what I'm trying to get you to understand is when the prophet Isaiah said, when God sends his word, it's going to land in your heart and it will either find no place or it will find good ground to grow. But there are this middle ground that he gives us to teach us that there are avenues in our life that even though we have received the Lord with gladness and we have received the message with gladness that he is the king of kings, the Lord of Lords. There are arenas in our hearts where the seed that he's trying to prosper us is not growing. And there's a reason why your marriage isn't prospering. Your finances isn't prospering. There's a reason why you can't disciple your children, much less the neighbor. There's a reason why you're full of fear when it's time to evangelize and tell people of the hope that is in you. You could pick a myriad of reasons in your life that you, it represents your the job. You keep going from one job to the next and there's something in your heart that he's trying to plant a harvest, but your heart's not been prepared. It's not been prepared. See, these guys would go out and they would toil while it was hot and they would toil in the summertime because the day was coming when the rains would begin to come and, and, and the seed, listen, the ground you've prepped, the seed you scattered, you've, it's been tilled in. They actually came along later with, uh, with uh, the animals and they would till in all the seed. It would get mixed up in the soil. When the rains came, their harvest was soon to be. We are actually, this is really weird because I was just telling the men's prayer night the other night. This is really weird because the Lord started dealing with me with the condition of our hearts and sin in our church and in our life and to recognize this and to go after this. And I wanna, I wanna take you back to Babel next week, the Tower of Babel. I wanna go back all the way to where it originated from. This week, and I, I'd ask a few weeks ago, pray that, that the Lord would deal with you, that he would search your heart and know you. This is a week about going back over your heart and going back over the wounds and back over the areas that have been hardened and rocks that are unmovable and, and beginning doing the hard work in September and October because November comes and this was in their calendar and our calendar is the same, but the rains are coming. And I, and I believe what the Lord is saying to us is this. He's saying to you and to you and to you. He's saying to City Light Church, and he's saying this to me. He's saying there's a season of preparing your heart. And there's a season to let the word of God get planted deep. And if you'll do that now, showers are beginning to pass over this earth. Amen. Showers are beginning to rain upon grace. Grace and mercy is beginning to rain upon us. And if you've prepared, there'll be a harvest that comes from your life. Something's going to begin to spring from your life. And every man in this place, and I preach mainly to men. I know the ladies, you receive it because it's all applicable. But I talk to the men. Every man in this place has this thing in his heart that God has put there. And it is to produce. 
And as you get older and you get married and, and those children come along, you want to produce. And so there's this inward drive to produce a, a food for your family and a home for your family. And that's why I believe in, in a godly economy where every man has an opportunity to have a job because we are built that way. God put that in us to produce. But as a believer, we, are also, we also have this inherent desire to produce something for the king. And the West crowds us out with the cares of life. And this parable talks about that, the cares of life. The West does this really well, and so we forget this. But at the end of the day, what we were singing about earlier is the only thing that really matters, and that is the king and what the king desires. Amen. And I guess this is part of getting older. But it seems like I think about the day I die more as, I got, as I've gotten older. Like when I was in my 20s, I never, I never thought about that, right? But as you get into your 30s, like I am now, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit further. You get into your th 30s, you, you get contemplated every now and then, but you know, it passes away. And you get into your 40s, and you, huh. You get into your 50s, huh. Imagine if you're 60, 70, or 80, you're thinking, uh, I'm not buying green bananas today because you never know, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Them things could last a couple weeks, and I, I don't know. I mean, but, and we laugh about that. I do, I laugh. But you know, you got to think about that. How do you feel if you're 80 years old and you're going, I'm looking back and most of my life's gone. I don't know if I've got another 10 years or 20 years. I don't know. But I do know I'm going to meet the king soon. You really start doing inventory. You really start checking the heart, right? I'm just saying, church, why don't we go ahead and do that now? Why don't we spend another week or two in the season of, Lord, check my heart. Check me. If I'm wrong, God, in my marriage, I want to know it. If I'm being mean in my words, I want to know it, Lord. If I'm wrong in my finances, if I've been stingy and haven't opened up the, the pantry and let you just take what you want, God, I want to know it because I don't even have anything be, be, unless you give it to me. So who am I to hold back from the hand that feeds me to begin with? I want to give it all. When I, when I feed Pippin, my son's dog, I reach down there and give him food and he, he goes to, to eat. And, and if I stick my hand back down there, you know what he does? He... <laughs> He does it now. You know what they do when they're puppies? He's trust me now. But in the puppies, they start, and they go after your hand, right? That's the way we are sometimes with God with our money. It's like our hearts, like he just, he opens heaven and blesses us. And then we forget where, like magically we got it. Like it is somehow we produced, no, 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 it was him. So if our hearts closed up, I want to know it, God. If it's closed up and, and I'm not obeying you with serving my, uh, my employer, but how, how many of you know God may want to launch an idea in your mind that grows the next greatest business in Marion County, but because you work to, for your employer like he's a mean person, you're stingy and you guard yourself all the time. Be liberal with your employer. You're not even working for your employer. You're working for the king. He just has you there in that employment. Open your heart and say, God, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to I close. I want to close. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life let me let me help you with what the wise man is saying he is saying the wounds of what an uncle or aunt said about you and said to you when you were seven years old can be present when you're 77 he is saying guard your heart 
because what your ex-wife or ex-husband did to you can ruin every relationship that you ever go into. Guard your heart. Why? Because what a mother or father didn't do can hurt your relationships in the future. It can hurt the way you live. You can so callous over your heart. And that's what Jesus, and I don't have time to go in. I want you to read that in Matthew 13. I want you to go back and read that parable. He says, some of them, their hearts are so callous that I can't even share with them these truths. John 15, he says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends because a friend is told secrets. In other words, he can trust your heart. I think... I think it's hypocritical of us to say, well, I don't believe in dreams and visions and prophecies. And at the same time say, I want to experience God. I'd say, check your heart. Because God's spirit, the last time I checked, he's spirit. And he speaks in spiritual ways. He'll show up in a song on the radio. He'll show up in a daily devotion from you version. Like, right? He'll show up in a friendly conversation. God will just, like, he's in there. And you heard him. Your friend didn't know it. But you heard it. He was clearly him. Check your heart. He's trying to encounter you. He'll, he'll show up in a dream. What does this dream mean? Ask my wife. She has a way of praying over that thing and, and telling you things. And you're going, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that applies. Oh, my goodness. Dreams mean something. He's spirit. Listen. Tonight, tonight, people will practice things in the spirit like no other night. Tonight, October 31st. We are to be more spiritual than any person who practices divination. Why? Because we worship in spirit and in truth. In the natural, but also in the spirit. But listen, if your heart is so guarded, if it's so calloused over, you can't hear the subtleties of the voice of the Lord. God is not, the prophet said, he, I, I saw the, the fire, he wasn't there. I saw the wind ravishing the land, he wasn't there. He heard him in the still small voice. And I think sometimes the Lord is waiting on us to simmer down, get away from the crowd, Get in the stillness of an early morning or late night or whenever. And speak to our hearts and for our hearts to be so receptive that we hear the voice of the Lord. And we act on that word. And it brings a harvest. Listen, this is fascinating. I'm closing with this. Genesis 26, 12. Isaac sowed a seed in that land. And in that year, he reaped a hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him. Nowhere else do you see a hundredfold blessing. It is supernatural. You never get back. Why? The soil isn't prepared. You never get back a hundredfold. You always lose something. This is the only place. Isaac sowed a seed in the land and he reaped a hundred times. The Lord blessed him. In other words, God is saying this. I want to encounter you in 100% of your life. I want to encounter you in your marriage, your money, your business, 
your coworkers, your neighborhood, your evangelism, discipleship, devotions, everywhere you go, I want you to see me walking right with you. I want to encounter you until you look so doggone strange that nobody recognizes who you are. But you have a friendship with God that is bringing a harvest into your life. See, what he's telling you a story is this. When you allow God to plant the seed in your life, it brings a harvest from your life and people around you eat off of your fruit tree. When I was a little boy, there were orange groves everywhere in Florida. And down the street from my house was an orange grove. And I didn't know it was wrong to go in the orange grove and eat the oranges. I didn't know. I thought that it was like heaven. I thought that it was, oranges were growing. I thought we'd just go in there and get what we wanted, right? Later, I, I was told, hey, you know, somebody owns that orange tree and you're, you're eating their fruit, right? This is the way it ought to be with the kingdom of God. We should be fruit trees in a nation and in a land where your co-workers and neighbors and friends are coming near to you going, why, why, why is it I just like eating off of your presence? Why, why is it that you always have something that just feeds me? Why They should be asking it. Why do I gravitate toward you? Why do I gravitate toward uh, listening to your stories? Why? Because it's a harvest that you've cultivated your heart, has been produced, and not only are you feasting with the presence of God, but other people are feasting on the presence of God that's being birthed out of your life. That's called following Christ. That's called Christendom. That's what he did. We're going to go over a few minutes. Is that okay? Come on, stand with me. We're going to sing. We're going to sing this song. And, and, and as we sing it, as we sing this, I want, you, I want your prayer to be this. Jesus, as you told that story about the four soils, Lord, I want my heart to be prepared to receive that word. I want my heart to be prepared to receive what you are saying and doing in this hour. Lord, I want to be more sensitive to you than than those practicing the demonic art. They will tonight. God, I pray that I'm more sensitive in the spirit. God, I want my house to be such a house of worship that it casts such light over my neighborhood that the demonic hordes of hell are pushed back and that around my neighborhood, people begin to experience peace in their home. They begin to experience dreams of Jesus. They begin to experience the goodness of God. I pray that there would be so much of your word being produced in my life that 100% of everywhere I go and everything I do Come on, as we say, five minutes, let's just go after him and say, God, search my heart, search my heart. Prepare my heart to receive the word. Lord, do that in us this morning. Lord, we don't get in a hurry. We're not going to be rushed. We're just going after you and saying, God, search our hearts. God, dig up those rocks. Help us, oh God, dig up the rocks out of our land. Those wounds and those hurts and those pains. God, send the fire of the Holy Spirit and burn out those thorns, those things that are choking out the blessings of God. Search our field, oh God, in our heart. Move, Holy Spirit. Do what we can't do. Come on, church, let's go after him for five minutes. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. Yeshua.
Father, I speak to the ladies in this place whose hearts have been wounded. Words of neglect, words of hatred, words of condemnation spoken over them. They are your daughters. They are the handmaidens of the Lord. They are beautiful in your sight. You love their dancing. You love their twirling. You are there beside them and you are speaking into their ears saying, you are my little girl. I am ravished by your love for me. I am chasing after you and everything the enemy did to you. I am uprooting that rock and I am tearing out those thorns and the word of my love and the word I'm going to plant in your heart and it will bring a harvest in your children and your children's children. Father, we speak to the men. Lord, I speak over this airway to men who are listening and watching. And I declare that the word of God has made you strong. Though some have said you are weak and failing in this life and you will never muster up. I tell you that you are a son of the most high God. You have his signet ring and you have his robe and you are riding through the countryside and all authority in the spirit realm recognizes the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's on the inside of you. And they fear when you come into town. They fear when you walk in the house because daddy's home and you bring the word of the Lord and you bring the mantle of worship and you bring the mantle of the spirit of God. Walk into your house and take authority. Walk into your job and take authority. Walk into your life and take authority he has given you authority to reap a harvest God I come against those memories of things done oh. things done to when we were children when we were adolescents memories that go back God, I crush that in Jesus' name. I come against that in the Spirit of the Lord. I crush that by the Word of the Lord. 
That creation has died. You are a new creation, new memories, new visions, new dreams, new experiences, godly experiences, holy experiences. You are not bent. You are not bent for destruction. It is not who you are. It is a lie against your identity. You were created in His image. Elohim's image. You were created in Yeshua's image. Yes. You are not broken. Men, He has given you the mind of Christ. You are not a slave. There is no hook in your jaw. You take authority over that in Jesus' name. You make a covenant with God with your eyes. It's time for the men to take control of their heart and take control of the authority that God has given you. Take control and have dominion over those things. And it is not subject to the enemy. It is not subject to his lies. It is only subject to our King, Yeshua. And he has authority over your heart. Men, oh no, this applies to the ladies too. We're in a season. We're in a season of authority. This applies to young people too. We're in a season of authority. When it has to do with your heart and your future, your family, your room, you have been given a mantle. Anley, you've been given a mantle of authority. You walk in your room, you walk in your house, you walk in the hallways of your high school, there is authority on the inside of you. You hear me? I feel the preacher on me this morning. There, you are not weak. You are not defeated. There is authority on the inside of you. And the darkness understands it. And they want you to partner with them. But you have a king who gives a harvest. They give destruction. And he says, walk into your world and start with your heart and take authority over every ground the enemy has sown thorns and has caused rocks to come up. You, do you know that? In, 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 the, in, the, in this farmland, when it rains, rocks will start emerging. When the presence of God, don't run from the presence of God. Well, hey, when we get here, this is, we need to be here for till like 3 o'clock this afternoon. Because the presence of God is like saturating the place. He's just like raining on this place right now. And what, what you'll notice is rocks start coming up. You start finding areas of your heart that's not like Him. Things you've done, things you've said. When, when, hey, it's, hey, it's September. What do we do? We go out and we get the rocks out of our field. Why? Because November rains are coming. Because the Spirit of God's coming. So we clean our heart. So when the presence of God starts raising stuff up, just say, come on, Lord, let's lift this rock and get it out of here. 
when you walk into your job, when you walk into your neighborhood, when you walk into your school and you sense the enemy trying to sow seeds of destruction, you take the authority and in the name of Jesus start declaring. You don't have to do it all weird like in the in the natural. Like, I, I take authority over you, teacher, in the name of Jesus. No, no, no. In the spirit. In your spirit, man, take authority and say, I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I am bringing the presence of God into this school. I'm bringing the presence of God into this work. And I declare he is Yeshua, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And I will worship him. Father, we do that right now. Come on, Song of Solomon. You're my beloved. Yes, you are. Come through the garden. Come on in, Lord. Till the soil of our hearts. We don't care anymore. We want you to bring the plow. Tear up everything that's not of you that's going to hinder a harvest. Come, Holy Spirit. We give you the authority. Amen. Well, we hope that this message has brought you hope and encouragement. And it was just what you needed for today. If you're joining us today and we can partner with you in prayer in any way, it would be our honor. Please reach out to us by visiting our website, mycitylight.org. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart to give today, you can do that by visiting mycitylight.org and go to the giving tab or text any amount to 84321. Be blessed.